Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kyrie Irving back in the headlines at a, quote, impasse with the Nets, according to a report out of the athletic it is canty and carlin on espn radio the espn app presented by progressive insurance 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776 should a big time team like the lakers take a shot and go try to get kyrie irving in case you're just joining us this is the story today earlier i'd say late morning it came out that kyrie irving and the nets are at an impasse. This is according to The Athletic. It sounds like this is a story that is coming from Kyrie Irving's side. And Chris, all I could think of was at an impasse over what exactly? Because the Nets were desperate to have Kyrie all last season, and he didn't want to get vaccinated the season before that. He put himself in a situation that really put the Nets in a bad situation where he just basically said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to show up when I want to show up and missed a couple of weeks without even letting him know. I don't know what impasse there could be. If Kyrie honestly believes that there is a chance he should get or that there is a, a truth and that he should get a fuller year, full max guaranteed extension. He's out of his ever loving mind, Chris. And I know the Nets have set themselves up to win now. I don't blame them one bit. Well, here's the thing, Carlin. Teams across all sports don't just play players that kind of money because of what they can do when they're in competition. They also pay them that kind of money because they know they can trust them. But at this stage of the game, can you really trust Kyrie? No. There's nothing that he's shown you that would lead you to believe that you can trust him. Since he's been there in Brooklyn for the three years, he's played in 103 of the 216 regular season games that were possible. So I don't understand how a player that plays in less than half the get less than half of the games that your team plays is a guy that can command a guarantee of four years and the kind of money that the Brooklyn Nets are going to have to dole out almost $200 million. I, I just don't see that happening. So, yeah, I, I think the Nets are perfectly content with Kyrie Irving testing the market if he does decline the player option. What I think Kyrie Irving will find are that the, the places, the destinations that would clear cap space and guarantee him the kind of contract that he's looking for aren't places that he wants to play at. And that will be the harsh reality that he's hit with if he declines the option on June 29th. So I'm in wait-and-see mode. I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated about what's going to happen with Kyrie. I'm also fascinated by Kevin Durant and the stance that he's taken in, in recent months when it comes to the antics and the behavior of Kyrie because Carlin best believe there's no way that the Brooklyn Nets give Kyrie Irving this kind of ultimatum unless Kevin Durant, the guy that locked in on a contract extension before last season started, there's no way they take this approach if KD didn't sign off on it. Well, wait a second, though. These these are guys that are going to run the franchise along with Joe Sy and Sean Marks. I know because Kyrie told us so at the end of the year. My extension, man, I, I don't really plan on going anywhere, so, you know. This is, uh, like I said, this is added motivation for our franchise to be 
um, at the top of the league uh, for the next few years. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to the summer and just building with our guys here. When I say I'm, I'm here with Kev, I think that it really entails us, um, you know, managing this franchise together alongside Joe and, and Sean and um, just our, our group of family members that we have in, in, in our locker room and our, in our organization. Family members? Are you kidding me? I mean, everything that's gone on here, everybody has trusted you, and Kyrie, you, in return, have screwed everybody else over in all of this. Yeah, you're talking about managing franchise. How about you just do your job? Yeah. You have a hard enough time doing your job. Show now, up. listen, when he's on the court, he's phenomenal. In the 29 games he played this year, he averaged 27 points, six assists, and four boards. So the guy can ball. There's no question about what kind of player Kyrie is. The only question is, when is he going to be available? And if he's not going to be available, if he's not going to be reliable, then how can I build a championship contender with him as a foundational piece? You just can't do it. So, Carlin, I'm with you. I think this is a situation where the Brooklyn Nets play hardball, but what complicates this matter is the personal relationship that KD has with Kyrie because those are the two that decided they were going to team up in Brooklyn and and, and build this championship contender. I think it makes it hard for KD to get to a place where he's going to be okay with Kyrie Irving walking out of the door. So if indeed Kyrie does decline – that player option on June 29th, what the Brooklyn Nets do, and more importantly, what guidance they get from Kevin Durant is going to be the most interesting part of all of this because if Kevin Durant allows Kyrie Irving to walk out of the door, then, then that's saying a lot in terms of you know what Kyrie is from a sports character standpoint. Chris, I was told that Kevin Durant leading up to – the Nets saying what they said when Sean Marks was so critical of Kyrie did not know that they were going to say that. I don't know if I believe that. I was told that by somebody, but I don't know if I believe that because I, I can't imagine that KD doesn't know about everything going on. It just makes me question his leadership and his decision-making and his part in all of this, right? It, but you that, questioned it before even this came out, though, Carlin. Absolutely. We questioned it when he left Golden State. We were more, saying, what, what the hell are you doing? But, You're leaving a championship team to go with Kyrie, a guy that had problems with LeBron in Cleveland, a guy that had problems in Boston with Brad Stevens, Tatum and Brown. Like, this is a guy that's had problems everywhere he's gone in the NBA. You left Golden State to go to that. But, Chris, he did it. Because he needed, in his own mind, to go out and set his own legacy because that's what everybody was telling him when he took all the heat for going and joining Golden State. So what it boiled down to, he was more concerned about legacy than actually winning. I want to win, but I want to do it on my terms. And then I'm going to go try and be a leader, something that I have never been before. He may be a great player. He is not a leader. Carlin, I'll argue this. What's happening in Brooklyn does more to tarnish his legacy than what he did in leaving OKC oh, totally and, Golden and Golden State. Totally What's agree. happening in Brooklyn is going to do more to tarnish his legacy than if he would have stayed in Golden State and competed for championships. Here's what's going to happen, Chris. He's going to end up looking stupid. He's going to end up going somewhere else after he forces his way out to try to win. And he'll win a championship somewhere else, but with somebody else driving the bus, as, as Charles Barkley said.
You know, yeah, yeah, and that's the problem, though, Carlin. You're talking about Kevin Durant being at the height of his powers. He's 33 years old. Yep. I mean, he's probably got two or three more seasons where he's going to be that caliber of player, and he's locked into Brooklyn for all of them. And if Kyrie Irving is not going to be available, then all of a sudden you're talking about torpedoing a golden opportunity for you to be on the biggest stage that the game has to offer oh, and be- playing the most meaningful basketball. But you know he's going to force his way out. He didn't care about Brooklyn. He doesn't care about what Brooklyn has put together in any of this. He doesn't care about the fact that, I mean, think about this for a second. Think about what Brooklyn has done. And I would question Sean Marks, and I would question everybody in Josiah that made the decision this is what they wanted to stack their organization around. Think about the give up Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, Karis LeVert, um, four first-round swaps, three first-round picks. You want to throw Paul Millsap in there? Go ahead. And you you ended up coming out of it with Ben Simmons and two first-round picks and an extra year of Seth Curry. You don't even know if Ben Simmons is interested in playing basketball because he clearly winning is not at the forefront of his mind. This has been an abject nightmare across the board for the Nets, who have no choice, in essence, but to double down in this situation. Yeah, they don't have any choice but to double down on it, but here's the thing. I don't mind doubling down with Kevin Durant as the piece that I can build around. Where I think the Nets could get in trouble is if KD says that he wants Kyrie no matter what. That's when I, the I Nets can't get listen put, to him then. I can't. That, that, that's when the Nets get put into a tight spot. But I don't know that Kevin Durant is going to do that, Carlin, just because he saw the team that he left hold up the Larry O'Brien trophy and the second best player on that team when he was there in Steph Curry win finals MVP and now pass him in a, in the minds of a lot of people as being a better player on the all-time great rankings list. Don't that, we that, all, that, that, that's where we're at right now. Don't Coming into this, people in, don't we all have people in our lives that we have blind spots for? Because this, this is an awfully big one. And and this is one. It, it can't be a blind spot anymore, though, Carlin. I agree. It can't be. I, if it, it continues be. to be, then he, listen, he has nobody to blame but himself in the first place. Just as everything that you pointed out, he should have never, never trusted Kyrie Irving. He, here's my guy. problem with Kevin Durant right now, Carlin. He has a lot to say when it's on social media, going at people in the media, going at other players, whatever. Kevin Durant is not shy about going after every, anybody when it comes to somebody talking about him or talking about his team. Why is he shy about coming out and saying what the standard should be for the Brooklyn Nets organization? I think he's afraid of Kyrie. I think he's afraid of his whether it's his losing but if his you're friendship the best, or relationship if you're the best player on the team. Hell, if you're the, in the stupid. conversation for the best player in the league, why would you be afraid to challenge, to confront a player that you're going to need in order to compete at a high level? Because Why are you afraid to do that? He's, well, here's the thing, Carlin. He's never been then, that guy. Then, then I think you have to lay some blame at the feet of KD oh, as well as with Kyrie. I, I blame KD in a big way by going, to K, by going to Kyrie for having him be the guy that he trusted. I don't know how you can look at the history of somebody and do that. It's it's mind-numbing to me that he's put himself in this situation. He has continued to back him at every turn. And now, no matter what happens with Kyrie here in the Nets, like, KD's going to play a huge role in that. And he needs to make sure 
that he's putting himself in the best position to try to win because you're right. All he has done since he has gone to Brooklyn is damage his own legacy in every way. So if he was always so concerned about legacy, you need to fix that situation. It's Canty and Carlin in this afternoon on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, not to mention SiriusXM Channel 80. My friends, want to remind you that ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Oh, my God, the unthinkable has finally happened in the NFL. Reportedly. Finally happened. We'll explain what it is next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Could it be that Cleveland is finally ready to make one? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, not to mention the ESPN app. This report from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated said recently on the Rich Eisen Show that Cleveland is willing to take on a fair amount of Baker's salary, like 9 to $10 million. So anybody that was out there thinking, and I, I don't know who was honestly thinking this because all evidence has been to the contrary that maybe Cleveland was keeping him as insurance for Deshaun Watson well no that's not happening because if you were you wouldn't be telling him to stay home at this point and and secondly Chris if they're willing to eat nine to ten million and finally finally move him and get him out of there if I'm if I'm Carolina if I'm somebody else, even Seattle, even Seattle, if I actually am interested in contending at all this year, 
I'm going and making a deal for a seventh round pick and letting them pay the half of it. And let's just take a shot at it because otherwise, if you're the Carolina Panthers, what's your biggest option at quarterback? Well, I think the question that you raised about the Seattle Seahawks is a legitimate one because Pete Carroll and John Snyder have a bit of job security there. So I'm not sure they want to win this year. Yeah, I don't I think, think they they're do. Gonna, I think they want to be in the sweepstakes for those quarterbacks coming out in totally 2023. Agree. And you're talking about as many as six of them going in the first round. So there's that. But if you're the Carolina Panthers and you're Matt Rule, who had the 30th ranked offense in the NFL last year, and your background is as an offensive coach and a quarterback whisperer, why would you not have more urgency about getting Baker Mayfield in the building, Carlin? Like, to me, you want to get the guy in the building. You want to have this guy now. making building relationships right now, trying to develop some type of rapport with the players. You know, they can, they can go in the facility on their own at this time. They can throw passes and all of that kind of stuff, and he can get up to speed on the playbook. To me, trying to, you know, get all of that new learning out of the way so he can hit training camp on the ground running, I, I, just, I, I just I think that's what's in the best interest of your team. If Cleveland's going to foot half the bill for its salary, then all of a sudden you're talking about a very reasonable number for Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's scheduled to make $19 million this year. Cut that in half, Carlin. You're talking about $10 million bucks on top of what you have to already pay Sam Darnold, which is $18 million. I got $28 million invested in my quarterback room. What's wrong with that, Carlin? I, right. I don't see a problem. That's a very reasonable price That's a tag fair number. For, for, for a quarterback. So it just seems like it's something that makes sense. Baker is clearly an upgrade over Sam Donald, even though Baker Mayfield has thrown more interceptions with Sam Donald, which is hard to believe. But to me, I don't know what the Carolina Panthers are waiting for. Scott Fritterer, they need to get this done. Matt Rule, they need to get this done because this is a franchise – where they're going into the season with their head coach on the hot seat. You know, the only thing I've, I've really been able to think lately when it comes to Baker is, is there just more to this than we know? Because you have guys like Robbie Anderson who say, I don't want to play with him at all. I have no interest in it. In his little uh, tweet or whatever it was on Instagram. Yeah, the idea that the players in the locker room want no part of him here. Are we missing something? Has there been some other interaction with Baker that has made him so unattractive for other players to play with other than how he has handled himself with the organization? I mean, no, well, it's also, it's also how he's handled himself with players in the locker room, and the ones that come to mind are Jarvis Landry and OBJ. Yeah. I mean, the public spat that he had with OBJ and then the Cleveland Browns making a decision to side with Baker – get rid of Odell, and then Odell go win a championship? That's something that NFL players pay attention to. Jarvis Landry coming out and saying, yeah, now that Baker's gone, I would consider re-signing with the Cleveland Browns. That says something. And you know what that speaks to, to me, Carlin? What it says is Baker Mayfield is a guy that would like to win, but he only wants to win on his terms. He only wants to win when he's the main reason why the team is winning, as opposed to winning – However, however you have to win the games. And, and so that's the part to me that gets a little bit sticky with Baker, and that's the risk. Those are the bags that you're talking about, assuming if you're going to bring him in. But if you're the Carolina Panthers and you're trying to upgrade at quarterback, what are your other options? You have none. So go ahead and move forward with Baker Mayfield. It doesn't seem like you're in a position where you're willing to wait on Jimmy Garoppolo. 
So go ahead and make the deal with the Cleveland Browns. Let them eat half of the money and get Baker Mayfield into your building so you can be about the business of putting your football team together for 2022 because your head coach has got a lot riding on it. And also the owner, too, because think of the contract that David Tepper gave Matt Rule, an eight-year deal when he brought him in to be his head coach. I, I just don't understand how at this point, if you're Carolina, you wouldn't have done it already. Because you need to get him there, and if there's issues with Robbie Anderson, if there's any other issues with any other players, I need to give this an opportunity to get fixed before I really get to training camp. Because otherwise, I, I'm just throwing a dart at the wall, and there's a good chance it's going to fall out. Yeah, but here's the thing. Cleveland is not keeping Baker Mayfield. They're not holding on to Baker. This is done. It's a wrap. They bought in three quarterbacks this offseason. Baker Mayfield will not be on the team this year. Okay, that's fine. But don't I need to get him in? Is it really worth – if they're going to take half the money, is it really worth a seventh-round pick at that point to not just go ahead and do it? Get him in the building. Let's find out what happens. I mean, to me, that's what – it. it's absolutely worth doing – because you're not going to have to give up any more than that, especially if Cleveland is willing to do it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, up next. So what does the future look like for the Browns overall when it comes to Watson or Mayfield? The great Mina Kimes joins us next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Not what you would have expected on NFL Live today. We explain in a moment. It is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, and, of course, on SiriusXM Channel 80, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, joins us right now fresh off her daily appearance on NFL Live. So we were doing the show, but were we just told that you were actively recruiting and Dama Kinsu to join the Raiders? I was throwing out ideas because he, Stu uh, himself, broke the little news at the top of the show that he wasn't returning to the Bucks, which, you know, while they had obviously brought on Nakeem Hicks, hadn't been concretized yet. So 
I just thought, hey, let's throw out some ideas. So my first suggestion was actually not the Raiders. It was uh, the L.A. Chargers, who also have some cap space, as you guys know, struggled mightily to stop the run last year. I think still have some need on that interior of the defensive line, despite bringing on Sebastian Joseph Day. That, to me, seemed like a really good destination for him, especially because he wants to play for a contender. See, Carlin, I know exactly what Mina Combs is doing. Any team but the L.A. Rams because she knows the reigning defending champs are in the division <laughs> with her Seattle Seahawks. So, nah, Mina, man, you're not slick. I know look exactly what you're doing. Listen, the cap, has never, the cap has never stopped Les Need before, Mina. So don't start that cap Fair. stuff. Les Need is one of those guys. F them picks and right along with that, F that cap. But I digress. <laughs> Speaking of which, Mina, Baker Mayfield, his future in Cleveland, we all know, is basically coming to an end. But – the report by Albert Breer, who was on the Rich Eisen show on Friday, spoke to uh, the, the Cleveland Browns being willing to eat half of Baker Mayfield's salary. The Carolina Panthers have been one of the teams that have been linked to interest in Baker Mayfield. So my question to you is this. Why isn't this deal done between the Browns and the Panthers? Well, I think because the Panthers are wondering, why do we even have to pay that much? I mean – who, who's the competition here? It's really just them in Seattle, right? So, like, we all know the Browns don't just want Baker languishing on their roster and not playing. Obviously, if they cut him, they don't get anything back. So they don't really hold the cards in this situation. And I think as a result, any potential bidder, there are very few at this point, might as well wait until the bitter end. Mina, would the Seahawks – really make a lot of sense at this point. I understand what their quarterback situation is, but Chris and I were just talking about it. Do they really want to push to try to win this season? That's a great, that's really the the core question. I mean, you know, with Seattle, you would, frankly, it should be also true of Carolina, which has not a very good roster as well. Uh, I think a little bit better than Seattle, but is not going, we all know they're not going to compete in the NFC South, right? Same as Seattle in the NFC West. However, we assume Carolina wants to win because the head coach is on the hot seat and the GM, whereas in Seattle, Pete Carroll has some job security. I think the confusion in Seattle is like on one hand, they trade away Russell Wilson, they're drafting a young offensive line, uh, you know, they don't bring back some vets like Bobby Wagner. But then on the other hand, Pete Carroll seems to want to win. He seems to believe that, they're, that they can compete. And if that's the truth, if he actually does believe that, then, yes, they should go out and get Baker because he is an upgrade for them at quarterback. Well, Mina, you mentioned that Matt Rule and his staff is on the hot seat. Doesn't it behoove the Panthers to bring in Baker Mayfield if he is going to be their quarterback in 2022 sooner as opposed to later? Well, I think it depends on who's making the decisions. Like, we talk about them being on the hot seat, but – if you're the owner, you know, maybe you're you're actually taking a longer view. I mean, I thought it was very smart by them with the sixth overall pick not to reach for a quarterback and to take Ike Aquanu, finally, hopefully, solving what's been a problem for a Carolina at left tackle for years. But, you know, I think there were some who thought they were going to take a quarterback out of desperation. So now you look at them and you ask, are you acting out of desperation? Do you have a longer view? Or are you going to look at your head coach and GM and say, hey, here, here's what you got. Show us some improvement or you're out the door. We don't, we're not going to just give you an upgrade at quarterback to save your job. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Deshaun Watson, Mina, I mean, we all assume that at some point here soon we're going to hear some sort of news when it comes to uh, discipline it's starting to feel more and more like this is going to be a lot longer than maybe 
the Browns had anticipated. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, I think it is a fair assumption. I mean, you know, the trade happens after there's no indictment. The Browns give him, you know, the most guaranteed money ever. And you think at that moment, oh, they're assuming this isn't going to be a long suspension um, because of the non-indictment and just because of their bravado, I guess, and, you know, in, in, in their own investigation, even though they didn't interview any of the women or, you know, if you can call it an investigation. Um, and by the way, that's true of any team with situations like this. I'm not even singling out the Browns. I've seen this movie before. But then more and more lawsuits come trickling out. There's independent reporting from the New York Times with some very alarming revelations, including um, accusations from women who didn't women who didn't file lawsuits. And if you're the NFL, you're doing your own investigation. I believe they've it's been reported they spoke to some of the women at least, and you, you're going to come making a ruling. But you also have the knowledge, like, there could be more out there, right? Like, I mean, every day it seems like there's new news here. So they're going to probably make a ruling knowing that this might not be over. And with that in mind, I think they will probably err on the uh, on the side of a longer suspension because there's still so much left in the air. Talking with ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes on Kenny and Carlin. And Mina, our teammate here at ESPN, Bart Scott, made some comments about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning that got some traction over the weekend saying that most defensive players around the National Football League during that era would prefer to play against Tom Brady as opposed to Peyton Manning. I played against both of them. No way that's true, especially in the playoffs. I'd rather have Manning than Brady. What say you? Well, I certainly don't think it's um, like a like a giant uh, edge in either quarterback's favor, so I'll start there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a defensive player, but I've talked, spoken with many of them. And I would say to a man, you know, every defensive player of the last decade or whatever that I've spent time talking to and asking them which quarterback makes their life most miserable has answered Tom Brady um, just because of how he's able to, you know, dissect them from the pocket. The fact that his arm strength seemingly has not waned over the years. I think there were years in which certainly some players would say Peyton and it's certainly close, but um, to say that it was Peyton by a long shot, I, I, I just can't see many people agreeing with that. Mina, last one for me. We've heard a lot of different opinions when it comes to Lamar Jackson's contract. What's a fair number? Should he be up there demanding what Deshaun Watson got? Or like we've also heard reported, is it going to be a number that's less than that? I don't see why he would take less. I mean, you know, as long as he's willing to push this thing out, uh, you know, there's no reason um, why you should give them any sort of discount. I guess if he if he wanted, you know, Sean Watson, obviously that contract was unusual in the level of guarantees. He could approximate it on an annual value, getting that Josh Allen territory if he, if he wanted. But there's no reason. Why, I mean, he has the leverage in this situation. He's a former MVP he has, he's not a one-year wonder. That's something that bothers me when people talk about Lamar. They act like sometimes they have, it's a bit of a straw man. But sometimes he's spoken about like he only had one great season as though he wasn't sensational as a rookie and also very good in 2020 as well. So uh, to me, Lamar Jackson should capitalize on this opportunity as long as he's willing to incur some risk, and that's ultimately up to him. Mina, keep trying to keep Ndamukong Sue out of the NFC West. <laughs> I'll do my best. Bye, guys. (laughs) Mina Kimes joining us, ESPN NFL analyst. Follow her on Twitter, at Mina Kimes. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty apparently has a major issue with a recommendation I made, and I'm going to try to help him with that in just moments. I 
I don't know what possible problem he could have with me, but we'll find out. Canty and Garland, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We're already starting to hear a little bit more about NFL expansion. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the cities that actually could come into play for possible expansion franchises. Chris, I'm going to run down the list here. You tell me what is legitimate and what is not. And I'm just going to run down real quick the entire list. Austin, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, Columbus, Ohio, London, England, Oklahoma City, Portland, Oregon, San Antonio, St. Louis. Okay. Uh, If I were going to have to pick one of those cities, Carlin, I'm going with San Antonio, Texas. And this is a team that – this is a city that has made overtures to try to get an NFL team in years past. The Saints were one of those teams. Uh, The Raiders were one of those teams. So I could see a city like San Antonio – trying to attract an NFL franchise. They already have a pro sports franchise in the San Antonio Spurs, and we know how avid that fan base is. But then, Carlin, also just the sheer size of the city. You're talking about the seventh largest city in the country. That, that, that is a population that could absolutely support an NFL franchise. And we also know about the culture of sports in Texas. Football is king. So San Antonio would be a city that would absolutely welcome an NFL franchise and be excited about it. We used to do training camp when I was with the Dallas Cowboys down there. Mm-hmm. Th- those fans love football. So yep. that would be the city on that list. 
that I would think would be best suited for an NFL expansion franchise. I totally agree. I think it's perfect for it. Uh, I don't want to see a team in London. I, I know they've been playing these games. I don't want to see it. Just logistically, I think that would be a nightmare, Carly. It would be think a about nightmare. This. How would you, think about trying to get guys in for workouts Come on, on Monday or Tuesday during the regular season week. Please. Like, it'd be, it'd be next to impossible, man. No, just I'm not bringing to guys across the, across the pond to another country. It's just it's too much of a logistics nightmare to have a team that's permanently in London and play a full slate of regular season games. It's just I can't imagine the much. Bears would ever let there be another team in Chicago. I can't imagine. They can't even get that. money to keep the team in the city of Chicago. Yeah. They've got to move their franchise. I think it's Arlington Heights or someplace like that. They're going to move their franchise to another to another town it because no they don't, they're not getting money for a new stadium in Chicago. So, yeah, I don't see the Bears having another franchise in Chicago. I mean, the city of Chicago having another franchise other than the Bears. It ain't going to happen. Uh, Portland's a great town. It's not big enough to have another team. Uh, to, you know, the, the Seahawks already kind of cover that ground. Scratch Oklahoma St. Louis city. from the list. You can't sue no. the city. You can't sue no. the NFL and expect them to reward you with it. Not team. again. We've it's been, just not going to happen. No. We've been down that road. No, no. There we go. Turn it up. <laughs> so I, I I don't get it. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Canty finally went to see Top Gun Maverick over the weekend. We have been waiting for the review. I've kind of hinted already what it is, but please lay it out there for us, your review of Top Gun Maverick. It was a good movie, and I like the fact that they leaned into it being a sequel. There were a ton of callbacks, and they started the movie off with this song. This is like the anthem for Top Gun. So, like, it, it just it was what I fully expected, but it didn't rise to the level that you said it would in terms of how good the movie actually was. Like, when you gave us the review a couple of weeks back, you were talking as if this was the film of the year, like it was going to be nominated for an Academy oh, Award on. or something like that. Like you, you, you hyped it, Carlin. And, I hyped and, it. And here's the thing: when you make a recommendation, I, I just just make the recommendation and then see how it lands. Right? It's better to underpromise and overdeliver. You went the opposite direction. You told me the movie was going to be this and that, and it turns out that it was just a solid sequel. It was a good. It was a good film. I was able to go into the theater, I cut my mind off for a couple of hours, and I was able to enjoy nonstop action. But it, it's not one of those films that's like, I got to watch again anytime soon. I'm sorry. It's not that. All it's right, not well, a classic. I, I, oh, I, I mean. Top Gun Maverick is not a classic. Top Gun is a classic. Top Gun Maverick is not a classic. So you actually think that the first Top Gun was infinitely better? Yes, the first Top Gun is better than Top Gun Maverick, yes. All right, a couple of things. Number one. I did not paint this to be Oscar-worthy, all right? We're not going to be talking about the screenplay and movie of the year and all that stuff. This was about doing the proper honor to the first Top Gun and being entertaining and being fun and not screwing up the franchise. And I thought they did an excellent job with this movie. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to say they did a, they did a good job. They did a, as far right, well, as sequels what was go, missing? they what did was a good missing job. there, Siskel and Ebert? Let's have well, it. Listen, listen, I'm just saying it was, it was a good film. It was an entertaining film. It's not a film that I've got to watch again anytime soon. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't say That's you had to watch it again it. anytime soon. 
Yeah, but, but I, I mean, said- the way the way you made it sound when you made the recommendation or the suggestion is that, man, this is a movie that I wouldn't mind going again to the theater to see because it was just that entertaining, and it was not that. It wasn't that kind of movie. And leave it to Devin Kane and the guys behind the glass to yeah. try to let facts get in the way of what I'm trying to say. Pointing out the fact that it earned over $800 million at the global box office. It's only Tom Cruise's highest, grossing movie, highest gro- grossing movie. I don't need all of that, okay? <laughs> I don't need all of that from Devin Kane. I just don't need it. I've made up my mind that it's a good movie. It's a good movie, but I don't think it's as good as the original. I just don't. Did it? Did it? Did it? Not enough volleyball. No. Well, first of all, I do like the fact that they did have that that football. The football game. The football game. I've never seen that kind of football game before. Offense, defense at the same time. Never seen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, with a couple of the quarterbacks I played with, sometimes we had that situation (laughs) going on. But anyway, the defense had to be the offense. But I digress. All I'm simply saying is this, Carlin. It was a good movie. It did the original justice, but it wasn't better than the original. Uh, all right, Devin Kane and uh, Ryan Matlack, I want to get some outside takes on this. Uh, have either of you seen the movie? Yes. All right, Devin, what do you got? I loved it. I loved thought it was it. great. I, Why I, did you love it, Devin? I mean, I, I, I think it was a little cheesy, but in the best possible way. I mean, it was, it was a, the perfect summer blockbuster. And exactly. Guys, it's not about the plane. It's about the man in the box. And I, and I could I could say the same thing about you guys on the show. You know what I mean? Like it's about the man in the box, man man behind the mic. I whole I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. <laughs> wholeheartedly agree with that. Can statement. I ask you? Can I ask you what would your your call signs be? Have you have you given that any thought? Hmm. Butterbean. Great question. <laughs> Butterbean. Butter <laughs> come on, big fella. We can come up with something better than that. <laughs> Butterbean. Big show. Big show. I like it. The big show. The big show. I like it. I don't know. No, but I thought I thought it was I thought it was excellent. I mean that that's when you when you sit behind a, mu- a movie and, and you know I saw it in IMAX as as everyone should. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. That's I, nice. I like it. Big, big show as your call sign. I I'm like trying to think it. if there's anything better I like than it. that. I, I would go with Razor as my call sign because that was my nickname my freshman year in college. I was six six two hundred and thirty five pounds. So yeah, cut like a razor. Yeah, exactly. I was I was skinny as hell. So uh, razor thin. <laughs> Ryan Matlack, your thoughts? So I have not actually seen the new one. But oh, the re- stop. No, but here's I I would like to ask you guys if you do not think that this is one of the better sequels. Like we are seeing some a lot of sequels come out these days. Jurassic World, yet another one just came out. I think they're up to six for that franchise. Is there one? Like and usually they take like you know a few years. In this case, this is, we're talking over thirty years between movies. Is there another movie that you've seen with that type of gap in between sequels where you've even liked the sequel a little bit? Because I think the fact that they took this long in between and people are saying that the sequel was that close is still a testament to just the franchise in general. Well, it, listen, it's risky when you do it and there's that much of a gap. There's no question. Um, it was ten years with the Bad Boys, right? Bad Boys, yeah, the first one, and then Bad Boys Two. Yeah, there was a there was yeah. a large gap there in between. Yeah, but here's the thing: I don't mind them going overboard with the Jurassic Parks. It's like I don't get enough of the Jurassic Parks. Like it's just it's dinosaurs crushing everybody around. See, I'm not like, a dinosaur me, guy, to really. Me, the Jurassic Parks are still they're all fun. Like I have no problem with the Jurassic Parks. I wish they would stop making those Fast and Furious movies because it's the same movie over and oh, over. What? Again. They need to stop <laughs> making those. Here's like, all right, one. all right. I'm I don't over know. it. I mean, I'm, I'm, over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I, Stop I, with the I, I fast think you've done this to yourself. I can't help you. 